Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and following, by faith, Abraham. So the apostle next brings us to the patriarch Abraham. And what stands out here as you begin to read these verses is that the apostle waxes large on Abraham. He gives a lot of text to this man. Abel gets a verse, Enoch, Noah get a verse each, but not Abraham. Abraham gets a paragraph. Notice verse 8, by faith Abraham. And then again there, verse 17, it's still saying the same, by faith Abraham. So there's a whole paragraph here that's enclosed. By faith Abraham. So you notice that's quite a chunk of text in this portion of the word of God. And throughout the rest of the chapter, there's no one else gets that amount of time in this homily of the apostle. Not even Moses. Not even the psalmist David. In fact, David, he just manages to get named in this hall of faith. So clearly, there is a preeminence given to Abraham whenever it comes to this business of faith. He's the champion of faith. He's the greatest example of faith. He's the model. Not just in Hebrews that this is so. Hebrews 11. This is so throughout the New Testament. To mention faith at all. Is to bring to mind. Abraham. Whenever we think about faith. We think of him. And why is that? Why is he first? Why does he lead the way? Why is he the the head, the fountainhead of the people of faith. And it's because of the place of Abraham in the history of redemption. You see, the story of our world, which culminates in redemption, the drama of world history is in three acts. The first act is creation. The making of the world, the making of the stage, the making of humanity. And then the next great act in the drama is the fall. The fall of mankind. And then the last great act is the redemption of fallen mankind. In the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the first two are brief. The creation, seven days, you read about it there in Genesis. The fall is brief. You read about it in Genesis chapter 2. There was this historic incident and humanity fell into sin. We know where the history of creation begins and ends. We know where the fall came about. We know its history and they're fairly brief. The history of redemption, however, is much greater, far larger, takes far longer. We know where it rises to. It rises to the life, the death, 
the resurrection of Jesus the Christ outside of Jerusalem. And we know where it ends, in the new heavens and the new earth for the redeemed nations. But where is its historic beginning? Where does the history of redemption really commence? And a case can be made. And the answer to that is with Abraham. With the calling of Abraham. With the bringing of Abraham to the land of promise. To the Mount Moriah itself. It begins with the covenant dealings with him. That the faith of the covenant community that God redeems commences with Abraham. With Abraham. How does the New Testament begin? Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. It begins with Abraham. Christians and New Testament believers are all the children of Abraham. Believing Jews and Gentiles are connected through Jesus Christ with Abraham. We're related to him. He is the father of the faithful. He is the father of us all who are believers. Whenever God reveals himself to the church, Whenever he comes along in redemptive acts, how does he come along? How does he begin his word? He says, I am the God of Abraham. That's how always he introduces himself to people in his great historic redemptive acts. I'm the God of Abraham. And whenever the Lord pictures communion of the saints and fellowship of the saints, how does he picture it? Sitting down with Abraham, coming from the east and from the west, Gentiles and Jews from all over the world to sit down with Abraham, to commune with him and the saints. Whenever Lazarus died and went to heaven, he was found on the bosom of Abraham. It's a picture. It's a metaphor of communion. Around the table, around the fellowship. Just like John lay on the bosom of Jesus around the table. In the communion and in the fellowship. So when saints die, they go to heaven. And join the communion and the fellowship of the saints. Abraham being at the head of the table. So you see how important this man is. The covenant that God swore. The oath that he gave to his people is the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Always Abraham. And whenever Christ comes into the world and is incarnate and he dies for his people, how was it described in the Bible? He taketh on him the seed of Abraham. Always Abraham. Do you see how important he is? You see why the apostle waxes so long on him? And whenever Paul deals with the great doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ alone, in the epistle to the Romans, 
He primarily goes to prove and establish that doctrine in the example of Father Abraham. What shall we then say concerning our father Abraham? If Abraham were justified by works, he hath were off to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He was justified by faith. And the same in the epistle to the Galatians. Even as Abraham Believe God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, that's the DNA of the church, faith. They which are of faith are the children of Abraham. And in this epistle to the Hebrews, this great homily, Paul has already named Abraham some eight times, Referring to him in chapters 2, 6, and 7. There is no other Old Testament character that stands out like that in the New Testament. James also, when he is showing the connection between faith and works, he also goes to Father Abraham and says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son? Upon the altar. So you see why Paul feels he must loom large on Abraham. He is the greatest ancestor of faith. You know whenever the family, they pull out the family album. They pull out the photographs. And whenever the church pulls out the photographs, the family album of the Old Testament. They always want to go to Abraham. They always want to see the pictures concerning Abraham. The faith community always says to a man, a woman, a boy or girl, they all say, I want Father Abraham's faith. I want to follow his faith. I want him to be my model in walking with God. So let us look then at the family album as the apostle puts us through the photographs concerning Father Abraham. Remember, you're at the table with this man. He's part of the communion of the saints. He's at the head of the table. Yes, there's a veil between. There's a veil between and we can't see beyond the veil except by faith, but we're at the one table. The table of the communion of saints. And one by one, we're passing on beyond the veil. But it's still the same table. The table of the communion of saints. And there, there at the head, is Abraham. By faith, Abraham. So, so you ought to be interested in him. You ought to be saying, is my faith like this? Do I have true faith? True saving faith. Do I have the covenant community faith as modeled in Abraham? So every Christian ought to study and know the life of Abraham. So let's, let's look at it then as far as Paul deals with it in this, this homily. And the first thing that you notice is as with Noah, 
the foundation of his faith was the word of God. The word of God. No word from God, no faith. Saving faith must have a word from God. Saving faith rests on the word of God. So you see where his faith started here? By faith when he was called. Who called him? God. How did God call him? With his word. It begins there. It always begins there. Faith begins with the word of God coming to a man, creating faith in him, and drawing him to believe and follow the Lord. And that's where Abraham's faith started, when he was called. You remember God came to him, we read it. The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from your kindred, from your father's house, he had to leave his house to go to tents to follow the Lord. He was called to follow God and the word of God came to him and he believed and obeyed. And God said, I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curse thee. And this is the climax. All the peoples of the earth the most distant heathen are going to be blessed in you. in you. And so it all commenced with God. The initiative began with God. Abraham didn't just become a seeker. He didn't say one day, oh, I think I'll I, I follow the, the Lord, I'll follow Jehovah, I'll give up all these pagan gods, I'll stop worshipping the sun and the moon and the stars. No, he didn't just decide, God cared. The initiative was with God. God sought him. God went into the far country and got him. And called him with his word. With his divine word. That's how God got this man of faith. And that's how God gets a people of faith. And that's how God got you. If you are a believer. The word of God came to you. It called you. Sinners don't just find God. They don't just start on the journey and seek God. They don't just get into the ark, you know, off their own bat. No, there needs to be a word from God calling. And that's the basis and the foundation of true faith. It's founded in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Abraham got it personally in his ear. The Lord appeared to him. The Lord spoke to him. But the Lord doesn't come to the nations today like that. In dreams and visions and personal theophanies. No, the Bible. The word of God among the nations. He comes to us in the preaching of the gospel. And he calls us. So it's a word that calls men to faith. It's the word that shows sinners the way. It's the word that draws out after Christ. And the church is a called out people. Called out by the word of God. And Abraham is the first in that respect. 
and the covenant community follow him. Do you see the importance of the word? Do you see why the, the church never jettisons the word? Why we have the pulpit? Why we have the ministry? Why we have preaching? This is all we have to call out the nations. This is all we have to call out the peoples of this world to follow God. We have nothing else to present. We have nothing else to offer. We have nothing else to say. But that you have to leave your sin. That you have to repent. You have to turn. You have to come and follow God. And so the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham as Stephen said when he was in Mesopotamia and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country unto a land that I will show thee. So it's, it's based from this word of God. That's where it begins. That's a good way to look at the Bible. The Bible, as we know it, is the history of redemption. But it's not only that. It's the instrument of redemption. It calls us out. It draws us out. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And Abraham, he didn't have a Bible as we say, but he left Broadway and he went on the narrow way at the word of God. And we have a Bible, a far bigger Bible than Abraham ever could possess. The full revelation of the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. We have all of that. And it's calling us out of this dark, dark world into the kingdom of glorious light. Now, this call of God, of course, very often falls on deaf ears, as well we know. And it falls on hard hearts and is ignored and it doesn't change multitudes of people but in very many we know it is effectual it works and how we trace the different responses to God's call if we try to trace them the only place that we come to at the end is the election of God the election of God God came to Abraham and called him Many are called by this word in the preaching of it, but few are chosen. But every Christian, every Christian is called and responds in true faith. And that's how we make our elections. Am I elect? Has God elected me? Give diligence to make your calling an election sure. You can't make your election sure until you make your calling sure. Have you been called? Has the word of God come to you and drawn you out of sin and drawn you to Christ? If you've been called and you've come, you have proved your election of grace and can have the comfort and the joy of the gospel. So do you reverence God's word? Do you respond to it in true faith? Has the word put you on the road? As it did Noah, as it did Abraham. We trust that it has. And if you're the true people of God, indeed it has. Because that word has been accompanied by the Holy Spirit. It didn't come in word only. 
but in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So there's another element. Yes, he was called to go out, but there's another element. He was brought out. He was drawn out. Wasn't just the powerless word. There was power in the word and he was called out. But the Bible also says, I took your father Abraham. I took him. I didn't only call him and command him to come out. He says, I took him. I brought him out. I drew him out. And all the people of God are called out. But they're brought out. They're sought out. They're drawn out. Calling and drawing. Thou art the God who did choose our father Abraham. And brought him out. Says Nehemiah. You brought him out. Abraham wouldn't naturally leave it. Ur was like Egypt. It was a well-cultured place. Plenty of prosperity. Lovely houses. Comfort and peace. He had everything. He wouldn't naturally leave it. Until the power of God's word. Accompanied by the Holy Spirit. Drew him out. Drew him out. And that's every Christian. They've been brought out. They've been called The power of the Holy Spirit has drawn them after Christ. So the Holy Spirit is in in this call as well. And this call to Abraham is not primarily about geography. Now I know that's the emphasis. He goes out, he leaves her, he goes to a land of promise. He dwells about this land and walks about it in tents and all the rest. But it's not about geography. It's about the Lord. He believed God. He had faith in God. He was drawn after God who led him about the land. He's drawn to God to follow God. He believed in God. And it was imputed to him for righteousness. He's converted to the Lord. And so primarily it's about faith in the Lord. A call to believe in him. A call to leave his pagan gods and to trust and follow Jehovah. And so he believed Jehovah, the Lord of old, appeared unto him and said to him, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn thee. And the sense is, I've drawn thee to me, to myself. He was drawn to the Lord. And Christians are drawn to the Lord. Not just about the geography, not just about Guilford, not just about a place so much, but the Lord. I'm following the Lord. The Lord has led me here. But it's the Lord that I'm following. It's the Lord that I'm believing in. If I be lifted up, the Lord Jesus said, I'll draw all men onto me. About being drawn to Christ. And so this is a faith that Abraham had. It was a call to know the Lord. It was a call to commence communion with God. It was a call to be the first one to sit down in that table of the fellowship of the saints. And soon he would be joined by multitudes all around the Lord. So from dead idols to fellowship with the Lord. That's what the faith of Abraham is all about. And the thing that drew him, and this is the next point, were these wonderful promises. These promises. That's what drew him preeminently. That's what looms in this paragraph. Promises. Promises of the word. The things that 
Abraham was promised. Now we saw in Noah's life that the facet of the word that is dwelt upon is warning. By faith, Noah being warned of God. He was warned. He was told there's condemnation, there's judgment, there's wrath to come. You need to flee. You need to be saved. You need to build an ark and get into it. And the emphasis of Paul is warning. Although there was promise in Noah's life as well, as we said. But Paul emphasizes the warning aspect. But now when he comes to Abraham, there's no warning. There's no condemnation. There's no God coming to him and saying, look, if you stay on here and err, you're going to be jot down. You're going to be judged. You're going to perish. No, there's none of that. There's just promise. I'll bless you. I'll give you a name, Abram. A new name. I'll make you a great people. I'll bless the nations in you. I'll do wonderful things in you and through you. Promise. Gospel. That element is emphasized. Abraham and promise. It's all positive. Nothing negative. The word fear doesn't occur. The word warning or condemnation doesn't occur. It's not in the vocabulary in this paragraph. The vocabulary of this paragraph is different. It's the vocabulary of inheritance. It's the vocabulary of receive. What you'll receive. It's the vocabulary of promise. Land of promise. Inheritors with the same promise. It's a city, a better city than Ur. A city with foundations that God himself has built. It's yours. Promise. Promise after promise for Abraham to encourage him. And Abraham believed God. And these promises drew him out. He's told of good things to come. He's heard the gospel of promises. And that draws him out wonderfully. And you can read that in Genesis 12. That they're exceeding wonderful and great precious promises. As I've already quoted them and read them. Noah hated the warnings. But Abraham believed the promises. Now both are important in the preaching of the gospel. We have to warn men to flee. We have to warn men of the condemnation. But far greater in our vocabulary is the promise the promise of life the promise of blessing the promise of inheritance the promise of communion with God the promise of fellowship with the saints the promise of a new name a great name the promise of blessing the promise of being part of a body that will know the blessing of God and that no man can curse promise after promise in the gospel. The gospel is chiefly promise. And Abraham reminds us of that. The glory of the hope. The wonders of salvation. The promises of grace. They're all beginning here. In the revelation to Abraham. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's just a couple of words. Everlasting life. Oh, but what is packed into that? In the eternal experience of the saints. 
the rest of God, the forgiveness of sins, an advocate with the Father, forever with the Lord, likeness to Jesus Christ, the wiping away of all tears, the heavenly Jerusalem coming down, and you being part of that in the resurrected life of the new human race. Forever and ever. That's the promises to Abraham who is the father of all the faithful. And the third thing is that this faith caused Abraham to be a stranger and a pilgrim in the earth. Caused him to be a stranger. It set him on a journey. That's the the thing about this paragraph here. It's, It's the language of pilgrimage. It's the language of exodus. And pilgrimage to, to something of a great promise, a great inheritance at the end. The pilgrim journey. And it's, it's Exodus language in actual fact. Go out. He was called to go out. That's, that's Exodus. He was called to go out into a place. That's a distant place. And it's a journey. And the city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, that's the destination, the final destination. He's intense in the meantime, in the pilgrimage, in the journey. It started him on a journey. Just like Israel were brought out of Egypt, 40 years journey, pilgrimage, the land of promise. What does it say there in verse 9? By faith he sojourned in a strange country. It started him on a journey, you see, that has a great ends, a city. And this city's not Jerusalem. God didn't build Jerusalem. The pagans built Jerusalem. David captured Jerusalem. It was a pagan city. God never built it. This city is the one you read about in Revelation 21. Up there. That's to come down into the new creation. To be the very bedrock of the new creation. And it's not just a building. It's a community. It's the people of God. He's journeying to this wonderful communion with Jesus Christ in the land of light and glory. There's no darkness in it. There's no night in it. It's just the glory of the Lord and dwells it and inhabits it. And infills it and overflows it. The light everlasting. This is what he has for his people. And so the Christian community is no different from Abraham. We're saved out of the world. We've had an exodus out of this world. An exodus out of sin. And we're in Christ. We're in a place. And we're pilgrims. And we confess we're strangers and pilgrims in the earth and this isn't our home and we're not getting too bogged down herein we're part of a people that are traveling to glory this is a faith of Abraham he lived in this faith and he died in this faith longing for this city that he'd never seen and his faith was progressive very quickly it grew, it continued, it was tested and tried but he persevered. That, that's the thing about all the faith in this. We're not of them that draw back, but that believe to the saving of the soul, that believe to the end. 
And all these people had progressive faith. That they'd, what does it say? These all died in faith. They didn't just begin the journey in faith. They continued in it. And they died in it. They persevered in faith. That's the eternal security of the saints. They persevered in the faith. They continued in the faith. Sojourned. That took years and years. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. That was years and years. And he was tested. He didn't get a son of promise for, for ages. And he was an old man. And his body was dead now. And Sarah's womb was dead as well. And it looked like no hope. And his faith was tested. But he believed God. He continued believing. It was always tested. And then when he did get his boy. And he grew up a wee bit. God said kill him. I want you to cut him off. And he was going to do it. His faith was tested. He didn't question God. He believed God. And he obeyed God in the faith. And it was years and years. Progressing. Continuing. His faith being tried. Your faith will be tried. Your faith will be tested. You'll go up and down like a roller coaster. It'll be tough. And you'll have doubts and fears. And you'll have to battle as you journey on. And you'll be tempted to lie and to deceive. As Abraham sometimes did. And you'll be tempted to go astray and to do wrong. As sometimes Abraham did. He wasn't perfect. But he continued. Continued believing God to the end. And died in faith. As all the people of God died. That's a mark of God's people. These all died in faith. They didn't die apostates. They didn't die backsliders and their back turned to God. They all died in faith. Every one of them. It's a mark of the saints. How did it grow? How did his faith continue? How was he able to go on against all these trials and against all these odds? Study his life. And you will see that the answer is in the word of God. The Lord was always coming to him at crucial points in his pilgrimage. At difficult stages the Lord appeared to him and spoke to him. The word that called him out of her was the same word that came to him, strengthening him, building him up, upholding him and sustaining him. So the word not only commenced his faith, the word caused his faith to grow. The word caused his faith to be strong. The word caused his faith to be able to withstand Satan and the world and all the trials of faith. The word of God kept him going. And you ask, why are you always preaching, preacher? Why are you always just giving us the word? Why don't you give us some entertainment? Why don't you give us some other fur? Where are your jokes? Surely you can tell a few jokes, preacher. Well, jokes won't build you up. They'll not sustain your faith. That's the word. We preach the word. Because it's what you need, people of God. You need to have faith. And strong faith in these dark days. And you don't only want to live in faith. When you come to die. You'll want to die in faith. 
And I want to be assured that when you do die in faith, I've given you the word to be able to do that. So preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. And may the Lord bless us as we always hear his word. And may he always give unto us his gracious, mighty Holy Spirit, accompanying that word, so it is always to our edification and to his glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen.